All right, so if you didn't come to the pre-show, you have missed an absolute glut of information about 50 Cent, Fiddy. Uh, you missed it about uh, Gargoyles, Disney lineups. You missed all kinds of things. Won't you come out to a live show sometime? They are 10 Eastern. They are missing you. We want your requests. We want you there, and we want to see you live. Every person who comes out makes it all the more entertaining. Thank you to everyone who does. Appreciate it, and you you keep the show on a running. Wow, the show, everyone just got so quiet. I talked about how great it was to have people live, and then everybody just froze. Like there was actually like a taping in session. That's nice. Uh, in person, when we do this like at an actual event, that'll be good. <laughs> Everybody was just so rowdy up until right now. Maybe I took the 50 cent thing a little too far. Oh, I'm a little concerned. All right, guys, I'm going to level with you. Um, <clears throat> sometimes daddy's in a good mood. But even if daddy's in a good mood, the world just doesn't want to let him stay that way. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to best, I'm trying to figure out how to best, like, push my way through that. Uh, and how to really have a open, forward-facing attitude that's not false positive uh but 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 really 100% encompasses the gratitude and what i view as like the second chances that i'm getting in life and that's you know that's really who i want to present that's really who i want to be <clears throat> but the news is not making that shit easy and I, I know, I know, I've talked about this, but unfortunately, we're gonna have to talk about it some more. And uh, so here we go, because I'm gonna try and make it quick. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I want you to imagine that we're a really, really, really long time ago. Okay, we're really far back, and we don't understand the world as we see it now at the end of February 2020. Okay. Really, really, just, you know, let's just go to the holidays. I know a lot of people who listen to this who are here, they don't celebrate Christmas, but you know that I do. Uh, so just, you know, just come back with me and let's go, <clears throat> let's go back way, way, way back to some Christmas. If you close your eyes and imagine some holiday season where life didn't feel so crazy and, and chaotic and weird. Are you there? Because for me... Uh, that far away, long time ago, Christmas would be uh, Christmas 2019. Christmas 2019, such a simple, such an innocent time, such a far away time compared to where we are now. And I want you to imagine that you walked up to me Christmas 2019, and you're like, oh, you did so well this decade, and everything's good, and you've lost weight, and your penis looks amazing. I can see the outline of it through your pants, and here's some money. And after we get through all that, you ask me what my thoughts are for the next decade. You ask me, what do you, what do you think is going to happen here in the next decade? And I, I say to you something confusing if you know me my whole life. I say, you know what? I'm actually just kind of confused. 
I actually, I don't really understand where we are compared to where we were five years ago. And I'm going to take the world as it comes, as best I can. And you decide to press me further on this. Well, sure, sure, but I want to know your thoughts, Jack. We're, we're here together on Christmas. Tell me, tell me, who, what, what country, if you think a big country was going to collapse in the next decade? Big, powerful, rich country. Who would it be? Oh, I think it would be Russia. Oh, why do you think it would be Russia? Uh, uh, various reasons. There, there's a couple of pillars, and their economy runs on natural uh, elements and the, the financial industry worldwide. And there's a, it's, a, it's very complicated, but basically I, I, I see, I see uh, Putin and, and the kleptocrats' uh, position is very tenuous. Don't worry, we're moving out of this pretty quickly. <clears throat> and we continued talking in this vein about what what I saw. And you'd ask me, like, is there any Venezuela that's going to happen in the, in the 2020s? Is, is there any Sudan? Is, what, what countries do you see collapsing? Or, or what, what, what world? Just, you know, somebody who reads the news, and I'm curious, since we're catching up and all eggnogged off our asses. What do you see? And I would go through Yemen and Saudi Arabia and Syria and Ukraine. Uh, I talk a little bit about Brazil. I talk a little bit about the Sudan and Somalia. I talk a little bit about a couple of areas in Southeast Asia. And I'd very briefly just, you know, kind of go over them. Just real quick, since, since you're asking. Like, if, if I really had to guess, these are the most likely regions that something kind of changing or kind of weird might happen before 2030. And then if you, after all that, you ask me, what, what would I be looking for if I thought that there was going to be major changes in these regions? I would have said the same thing for every last one of them, talking specifically about Russia or mentioning any of these vague places or talking about the places I didn't even name. Right? What would you say is the reason why that's going to happen? And the reason why would be very simple. There's going to be a change in the shift of resources. That was, that's, what would, that's what would cause it. All of these places have a lot of money coming in and going out to outside third-party nations, and that's causing a lot of conflict within and, and and at their borders and what have you. So there's just, you know, there's just these lines of money going in and out of these conflict zones in, in, in these regions. And all that needs to happen to either accelerate the bad thing or to cause a collapse is for one of these lines to, to change, to stop, to alter, to reverse course, whatever. And some of these lines are pretty tenuous. Some of these lines are, you know, been, been there for decades, generations. And so people can't really see the conveyor belt of money and goods flowing in and out anymore of these countries. But there, but it's there. Every, every country has a conveyor belt with money, sacks of money going in and some kind of product going out, all of them, even the conflict regions. And so you interrupt that conveyor belt, you don't know what's going to happen. Pretty simple thesis, right? Pretty Pretty central... Pretty simple idea. All the countries in the world, especially the conflict countries, they even though it doesn't seem like it, there's still a product being made or there's still something that somebody wants to pay for in those areas. 
And all I can say is, guys, what's became pretty clear to me the last two weeks is maybe that conveyor belt, the big conveyor belt that goes to all the countries of the world, might just get a little shaky. Like, just imagine, like, there's an airport and all the people in the world are, like, standing around waiting for their bag. Like, every person standing around is another country. And the conveyor belt's going around a circle and it's dropping its bags off. And yeah, it's annoying. And yeah, people are bustling. But that's the system. That's the system. We stand in the circle. It goes in the circle. It goes in this direction. The bags come out one or two at a time. You wait for your bag. You grab your bag. That's the system. Now imagine if bags randomly, randomly started flowing right back up before maybe they got around to you. Or maybe the conveyor belt stops and then reverses course. The treadmill just starts going the other direction. Just just the other way. The bags are still there. They're just, you were waiting there in line for your bag to come around to you. And then it stops and then it reverses course. How do you feel about that? That's what is the kind of like... That's the kind of situation I'm talking about. And I'm not trying to make anybody too too worried or too freaked out. <clears throat> it's just, I'm kind of tired of watching the national news and nobody talking about this thing yet. Uh, because there's, it's at a point where the the government officials of lots of countries across the world are saying, this thing is happening and this thing is here. And this thing is going to make people sick. And this thing is going to come to your country or your hemisphere or your trade block. It's it's coming. This thing is coming. It's called COVID-19, and it's coming for you. Um, and this is this is the this is the scary part. Because what it means is for at least a little while, things are going to change. We're going to have to reconsider pretty much everywhere in the world what it looks like to buy something from the other side of the world for maybe a little while or even to go out to the grocery store. That is going possibly, I don't mean to alarm you, to change. And we're going to have to think about that. And we're going to have to think about, like, what it means to be in, in, a, in a large crowd for a little while, possibly. Uh, a lot of sport. Like, virtually every crowded and sporting event in Japan has been canceled until March 15th. You shouldn't expect them to resume on March 16th. Not trying to be crazy. Um, countless examples like that. Virtually every kind of, uh, of, 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 of group activity is in question that the Olympics are five months off and they're, they're, they're I'm, I'm just telling you right now, you shouldn't expect there to be an Olympics this year. And I'm telling you right now, while the time this lands, uh, the Boston Marathon is sometime in, in April or May. So here's my prediction. I'm not expecting a Boston Marathon, guys, like at that, at this point. Like, I'm just telling you, I'm putting, putting my cards on the table and I'm just trying to tell you as my audience that, like, I'm I'm very sorry. I'm very very sorry because 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 one of two things is happening. Either I'm giving you bad news or I'm alarming you over something that's not going to happen. And either way, from the bottom of my heart, I apologize. That's not what you come here for. That's not 
what you do this for. But again, I just want you to say that this is really what I think is happening. This is really what I think is going to occur. Uh, and that the main thing that I want for you as my fan is just to consider is just to consider that maybe if this thing keeps going as bad as it seems, that you will have to adjust some things in your day-to-day life for a while, that everybody will. And that's hard, but let me let me give you a quick little like look of what that looks like. So you gotta imagine, <clears throat> you gotta imagine everybody like wearing masks and everybody sitting at home and people being afraid to go to the store. And I close my eyes, and I think about this world, Western societies, where people can't book planes because there's no flights, or you have to get cleared for for flights by going to the doctor three times first and getting your blood drawn three times in the in the week before to get to get a clear for a flight. Maybe that's a regulation, and maybe that's what our world looks like. So as we close our eyes. And we imagine this, as we imagine this world that we're heading into, I just feel this one little, like, feeling bubble up inside me. I just... I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to stir. (laughs) I'm going to be so rich. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to be so fucking rich. Because what are you going to do besides sit at home in your fucking mask, in your fucking gown, and flick your goddamn bean for the 73rd time that day? You're going to be so fucking bored. There's going to be nothing to do. You think you're intimidated by men now? Wait until they can breathe on you and kill you like dragons. Like fucking orcs from a goddamn universe from a... Yeah, absolutely. You think you're fucking horny now? Wait until you literally cannot see another fucking human being because every man you walk past is in a painter's suit and a full fucking mask. Wait until your fucking Grubhub comes to you in a... (laughs) Delivered in a armored moped... By a guy with a rifle over his shoulder and a goddamn pandemic suit. You're going to take your fucking stir fry, you're going to eat it up as quickly as you can, and then you're going to immediately go back to masturbating and hoping that I've put something in the Discord that you can fucking relate to. Oh my god. This plague is going to be amazing. Hey guys, guess who never leaves the house as is? I don't leave the house for 14 days at a time by choice. Oh, fuck me. I've got this. (laughs) You're all going to die. The housing prices are finally going to come down. I'm going to be rich. All the rest of us are going to take off our... All of us are going to take off our little painter's masks and all the rest of them. 
right? And we're going to look at the world that, that we can make now as we move your corpses into the piles, into the pits. And this is what I thought before I read a headline, okay? I was already thinking, like, oh, this is going to work out great. For I already texted Allie, like, 10 days ago. I'm like, can you believe this, this fucking virus? And she's like, I know. I'm like, I know we're going to make so much fucking money. And she just typed back dot, 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 Sorry, I, I kind of had to make this joke kind of hasty. Uh, so I, 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 I've I made the joke that I'm going to kill you all, and I've also made the joke that I'm going to throw all of your bodies into the pit. Uh, where was I? Where did I leave off? I'm sorry. I've got a list of, of references that I have here, but I don't know where I... <clears throat> I've got a list of threats, but I don't know where I stopped off. Housing will be cheap. I will have money. You will be dead. I don't leave the house. Oh, I thought all of this before. <laughs> I thought all of this before I read a headline. I thought all of this before I read a headline that even confirmed how great this disease is going to be for me, killing off everybody else in the world. Ready? Ready? Not only do I not fall in the age range, not only am I not a medical worker or a frontline person who's selfless, they get it like crazy. Not only am I not a churchgoer or a good person, they're getting it like nuts, right? Not only am I none of those populations, <laughs> I'm also, this is amazing, I personally think, the disease targets men? The disease primarily kills men? It's much more likely to kill men than women so far as the data. We'll see if it holds. Much more likely to kill men than women. And you're going, but Jack, you're a man. Yeah, I never leave the fucking house. I never leave the fucking house. So that means that when I finally emerge, after herd immunity is established, after the vaccine's made, after everybody's dead, after the housing prices come down, after I come rich, it's going to be Mr. Jack and the ladies. You hear me? It's going to be me, 17,000 Australian women, just like that episode of Sliders. Except I'm not going to let you throw me into the fuck den. You hear me? Still one of my favorite episodes of television ever. I've talked about it before. Even funnier now. Can you imagine the world we're in right now? Can you imagine the world we're in right now? This virus goes around the globe. It kills literally 80% of men. Literally. 80% of men around the globe. Just imagine. Right? There's one out of five men left. Can you imagine the women of the world then immediately throwing those men into prison to fuck them so we can start shooting at each other again? Do you, can you imagine that's how women would run the world in 2020 right now if that's what happened? Can you imagine that's what would happen? Instead of women just immediately like, okay, so anyways, like we were talking about, child care's a right? Great. Okay, so the next thing, we're going to go ahead, we're going to reintroduce those pollution standards, right? Great. Like, that's all that would happen. 
80% of the men die tomorrow. That's what the world looks like. Like, they don't give a shit. Men jerking off to this fantasy that women would come and hunt us down for our cocks. Please. Please, every self-respecting woman would just get money and power and be like, any guy worth a dick is gonna come find me. Please. Only, only dumber version of women ruling the world that exists is the original Star Trek. With the Planet of the Women, has anyone ever seen that? It's the only dumber version. It's a planet uh, ruled by women who kill men if they land on it, and they wear mini skirts that go at least eight inches up both their knee, that are sequined in silver, they wear go-go platform boots, and bustiers. That's the uniform of the Planet of the Women. The planet that only women reside on and rule everything. That's their uniform that they decided on. By the way, that's not the guard's uniform. That's what their supreme ruler is also decided on. Like band uniforms that 15-year-old girls in an anime thought we can't wear those before seeing the 16-year-old girl in the anime antagonist put one on. I think that's how animes go. I mostly watch hentai. I feel like they're the same except for the sex. <laughs> There's a <laughs> All right. So now that I sp- now that I now that I've like maybe talked you all down from the pestilence that will destroy us all but still informed you. Uh now that I've now that I've talked you all down just real briefly. So I was, uh, I was, I was jerking off to anime again. Uh, I haven't done that in a while. And I thought, well, what the hell? I'll pull up some anime. And it won't do anything for me. Because I, the last couple of times I encountered anime, it didn't. I'm not an anime guy. So, if you want to find anime, unfortunately, you have to use Bing. I don't know if you guys know this. Maybe maybe if you've searched for anime before on Google, you you couldn't find anything. Well, that's why. Because uh, if, you, if you try and Google anime, uh, Google is too self-respecting for that shit. Google just like, <sighs> no. <laughs> like, it'll come back with some anime responses... But, like, it'll be, like, a couple of really bad ones. It'll be, like, a couple of three to five minutes, and it'll be censored, and it'll have, like, a like an anime intro and that kind of thing. But for those of you who don't know, Bing, if you, if you, if you put in video search Bing, you can put in anything into Bing, and Bing will give you that porn. It doesn't judge. It doesn't care. So here's the thing. <clears throat> Bing is really dumb. Bing is awful. So this isn't 100% a good idea. You can't search Bing. Let me give you an honest-to-God example of how awful Bing still is. In the year 2019 on a road trip, I needed to find a gas station. All right? I was on a road trip, and I needed a gas station. This is the perfect time to try out a new search engine. Don't you think? Yeah. So I just give it a shot and I just pull out Bing 
And I have connection and everything. And I just bing this phrase. I swear to God. I press this. And I just need gas on a road trip. So I press the bing button. I go, doot, doot. And I say, gas near me. Well, the results I got were not for gas stations in my proximity. I can assure you that much. They were not. The Orify spewing the resource that I was looking for. To my incredible surprise and frustration, as the reason why I was looking at a phone and for gas is because I was currently eating a Subway sandwich that I then re-wrapped up and I had to wait for about 20, 25 more minutes to begin eating again. Gas near me on Bing did not get me gas near me. You ask Google for gas near me, they know that you mean a fucking gas station. <laughs> so, Bing is not a great thing to search. However, Bing is literal. Like, absolutely literal. So if you're like, Hey, Bing, you know what I want to see today? I want to see a girl with a perm haircut topless on a trampoline. Bing goes, boop, boop, boop. Okay, boss. I know what those words mean. I will put them together. Trampoline, topless, permanent haircut. Boop, boop, boop. This is the best I got. Google's trying to figure out what you want. Gas near me. Okay, all right, but you're away from home, and you've been in your car for a while, and I see you've been listening to music for two and a half hours straight. You just stopped. Uh, I see you looked for a subway. Uh, okay, I guess what I'm thinking is you're looking for a gas station near you. You're on a road trip. Am I right? Okay, here you go. That's Google's process. Being is gas near you. You equals person. Gas equals fart. Gas near you. Here you go. <laughs> but that has a real use when it comes to porn because people who rate porn videos and write descriptions on porn videos and put in the keywords for porn videos, they're not the best wordsmiths. They're not the greatest descriptors. For instance, I've talked about this before, I'm almost certain. There is a porn title that every time I see it, for 20 years now, every time I see this porn title, I have to click on the video. Every time, Jack? Every time. Every side, Jack? Every time. Every, every thumbnail, Jack? Every thumbnail. Every time. And that is simply, naked people having sex. If I see the title Naked People Having Sex, I'm clicking on it because I have to verify if that shit is true. Now, hold on a second. Are you telling me on this side of pornography, this den of iniquity, you're telling me that two people, naked, are making a beast but with one back? He gods, zones. So... <laughs> It's not often, but every time I see naked people having sex, I have to laugh and click on it. Because somebody took the time 
to write that fucking title. They really wanted us to know. They really wanted us to see the video, and that was their plan A. Their best chance at getting us in the door. Everybody else, young teen, masturbate, brush, naughty, cod, stepsister. Everybody else, cheerleader, dunk, rubbing alcohol, glistening, taboo. Everyone else, black, bull, studs, six-pack, sexy, ripped, fucks, cow. And then there's naked people having sex. You tell me which you're going to click on. You tell me which title you're going to fucking click on. Huh? Huh? Naked people having sex. Jesus Christ. Never going to let you down. Always true. Never going to click on that and get rickrolled. Never. Never. All right, guys. This has been the introduction to the live show. Pay me. This is rubbing alcohol. <laughs> this is how Daddy writes. All jokes aside... If you're worried about what's going on with COVID-19, I'm starting just now. I haven't been anxious before, but just in the last 48 hours or so, it's really starting to, to cross a line with me. So just know that you're not alone out there as the money comes rolling in. Maybe you're out there at home alone and you're paying me right now because of that link below. It, it hasn't happened in 2020 yet. It does happen occasionally, though. So maybe that's what we're waiting for. Just rolling it along, uh, rolling it along. Uh. <laughs> it's so funny because Rachel Maddow, I've, I have a 15-year-long relationship with Rachel Maddow. I've known Rachel Maddow longer than Mrs. Kitty. That's true. Rachel Maddow was in my life before Mrs. Kitty. That's an absolutely true statement. I was in a truck in the middle of southwestern New Mexico in 2005 listening to Rachel Maddow on the radio before she had a TV show. Uh, and I've loved her. And Rachel Maddow is, like, really even-keeled. If you think she's even-keeled on her TV show, she was even way more even killed on her radio show. Believe She would just straight put people to sleep. She sounded like an NPR host. Like, you can't even, like, do an impression of her. She would legitimately begin her show like this, I swear to Christ, every time her radio show, welcome and thank you for joining us for the next hour and life under wartime. That's how she began her radio show, every hour, on the hour, three hours a day, Every single day, Monday through Friday, talking about the George W. Bush administration. And she was super even killed, and she was talking about the degradations. Rachel Maddow, for those of you who don't know, she's gay. I'll let that, like, I know, it's very scary. Rachel Maddow, gay. I know. It's a shock. I'm just letting it, just letting it sink in. Okay. Rachel Maddow's gay. And in 2006, the Republicans spent all of 2006 
uh, hype in something called DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, which is actually, I'm not going to get too into it because I'm very, I've already gotten into enough politics and what have you, but it was a big deal and it was trying to basically make gay marriage illegal and unconstitutional at the same time. And it, it was really, really a big, big fight. It's gone down the memory hole, but at the time, that was the whole year in politics was DOMA, basically. It was a whole fight over DOMA. The 2006 election was over this one word, D-O-M-A, DOMA. And anytime somebody said that, I'm pro-DOMA, they're basically saying, I'm for constitutionally stripping away the rights of homosexual people forever. Forever. Uh, so it's a big deal. Rachel Maddow's gay. And Rachel Maddow would report on DOMA like this, like, uh, today, DOMA advocates advanced and pushed forward a little bit more. And that's how she talked about it for a year. I know. I was there. I was there. And she was so even-killed. If you think she's even-killed on the TV show, back when she had a radio show, she was even more so. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh... So it's been so interesting now, and I, I'm trying to take the lesson. I really am. For somebody who's watched this woman for 15 years, admires her intellect, loves the way that she thinks and pulls apart at a story, even if I don't agree with her politics all the time. I'm very left-leaning. I'm more left-leaning than Rachel Maddow. So sometimes Rachel Maddow will make the like Republican case in my mind. I'll be like, fuck you, Rachel Maddow. But I'll still respect her. And I'll respect her mind, and I'll respect her process, right? She's a very smart person. She's worthy of respect. And that's what she always gets from me. Except for this week. And it's not because there's not a joke coming. There's not a bit coming. This week has actually been the hardest week for me in the 15 years that I've ever watched Rachel Maddow. And I'm trying to take the lesson. Because she's freaking out about something. Every day this week, she's freaking out about something. That's not what I'm freaking out about. <laughs> She's freaking out about something else, and she has every right to. But her freakout is turning me off. 15 years now, Rachel Maddow. And her freaking out about it is turning me off because it's not where my gaze is. And all that I'm learning from that is, because after 15 years, I've never had this expression or this uh, emotion with her before, is her agita and her expression of it is legitimately even though I find it very informative, and even though I find it very interesting, it's making me want that information less. And all I can think is, well, dude, you get agitated way easier than Rachel Maddow. That's the second step of that one. Like, her agita is turning you off? Well, you get more agitated than her. You, you John Stewart, way harder than her. And this is not to put me down. This is, you know, we're going to move into the fun. We're going to move into the request for the rest of the episode and what have you. But... I am trying to take the note. As somebody who wants to get that information across to you, what if when I'm agitated, I'm turning the volume down on myself like I feel like she is right now? It's just this really, I mean, it's a very simple, I mean, it's something you're saying to doy, probably, maybe. This is something you could explain to a three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes daddy needs three to five-year-old things explained to him. Real simply. Uh in his own voice, before he gets them. Uh, the, in his own voice was the only part of that that was a joke. In sincerity, I hear, I, I'm trying to say, I hear how my emotional state and the way that I'm relating it, even though I'm an entertainer, might be at times increasing or decreasing 
the actual effect that I want to have. And since I did start off wanting to talk about gratitude, and, uh, and I am talking about how there's about to be an apocalypse that you guys are going to uh, fund me through, um, that I should probably get those tuner dials correct. <clears throat> so just before we go uh, into the recorded session, here's my view of the apocalypse on easy mode that you guys will be funding, just real quick. Because everybody's about to be in the apocalypse, but my apocalypse is going to be like, I'm the protagonist of a video game in the apocalypse? Like, I'm I'm the player character in Fallout, and I've got the quick save ability, bitches. So, guess what, Wastelanders? So, here are just a couple of things that I think will slightly benefit me uh, as you fund me through the apocalypse. Ready? Morning, i.e. whenever I want it to be because I've got blackout curtains that dampen sound over all windows in case raiders are outside. So, morning, question mark, slash anytime. I wake up. <laughs> I don't know if I'm grateful or not. The day will tell me. Day has a question mark in parentheses behind it. <laughs> I make it to my kitchen where I prepare dry foodstuffs for my cat and dry foodstuffs for myself. Today is an eventful day. Today, groceries will be delivered. I try to determine the best vector to surprise the grocery delivery boy, for there are five different ones I could approach him with. I've kept a log on the wall. Did I open the front door last time or the side door? The garage door the time before? I must have. No, this time, unfortunately, I must surprise him from the side. I've got two sides that I can surprise the grocery delivery boy from, the left and the right flank. I have opted for the right. I gather my rifle something that I got off eBay, an old Garand from World War II, easy to maintain in parentheses, and I load it, preparing to jump over the small cement wall that no one would expect me to leap over in order to get groceries. But this is the world that we live in on March 7th, 2020. In order to best get the best vector for groceries... I decide to take my key fob with me. The automobile is for decoration only. It is wired with C4. It is, in effect, a death trap filled with shrapnel, ball bearings, and kitty cats. One press of the right button will send it exploding. It will not give me much time. It will, however, buy me a couple of shots in case of raiding. Today, however, I do not press the detonation button. Today, I do not wish to give away such surprises. Instead, I wait for the Amazon delivery boys to arrive. They come in pairs now, sometimes three or four. One keeps watch. His rifle, clearly, the barrel of his rifle, clearly in view over his shoulder from across the street. The painter's suit and the black of it contrasting entirely. But I am prepared. 
as they begin to unload the foodstuffs down upon in front of my porch at the X and the square that I have circled, looking up to make sure that there is no trap because of the bloodstains that I did not wash off the sidewalk in time. I spring into action, pressing my key fob. The car beeps once, and they turn in surprise. The man across the street pulls his rifle and trains it at the car. Too late does he see me, training my garand at him from across the way. Put it down, I demand. Put it down, Bezian. The new word for those who serve their lord, Jeff Bezos. I approach him, the only armed one, for even in groups of three or four, Amazon does not allow much for insurance these days. Firearm training is rare. I promise him that he can have his gun back. I kick it to the side. After the groceries are counted up, I cut the duct tape from their wrists and allow them to scamper back to their van. I tell them that I know that they're watching me and that I'm watching them. The last one, I decide, can bear a message. I aim my garand at his ass cheek and pull the trigger. This is the tip, I say. Okay, so that's that's what I think is the future is going to look like. Just a little bit, not to worry anybody. Just uh, two weeks out. So, yes, enjoy. Hope everybody has a lot of fun with that. <clears throat> pay me, pay me, so I can make it happen. If you think that's interesting, wait until you hear what I can do with three drones. You think that's impressive? That was a car and a gun, baby. That's how I wrote that story. That's a car, a key fob, and a gun. Wait until you hear the story that I can do with three drones. Three drones, some fishing wire, and an old DVD box set of <laughs> MacGyver episodes. I, I'm not going to lie. I tried 100% to come up with a way to use a MacGyver DVD in a clever way to steal the groceries. And I thought about it for like 17 minutes and I haven't come up with it yet. But like, but like literally using the MacGyver like DVD box set as like part of like my plan. Not like anything else, not like a reference, like physically using the MacGyver DVD in a clever way, I think would be fucking hilarious. And I just haven't figured out how to make that joke land yet. I worked on it. I kept workshopping it. Like I took the DVD out of the case. I used tried to use the plastic case. I tried to use the box set. I I, I experimented with actually like maybe Richard Dean Anderson's at my house in this bit, and like MacGyver's actually there, and then we use MacGyver. But like, yeah. See, everyone, the people have thoughts that I wrote down. Reflective surface, the plastic, melting it down, using it like a throwing star. These are on the list. Well done. You guys can pitch jokes to me anytime. These are the jokes I pitched to myself as well. I just didn't think that they got there. I'm not judging you. Maybe your punchline's funnier. These are on my list of how to use MacGyver DVDs in a clever way. So I'm with you. I just really think it'd be amazing if somewhere in like a joke set like that where I'm talking like how clever I am. 
You know, like, I'm gonna kill you. Like, if there's an apocalypse, you're dying, because I've thought about it. I don't think you get it. You've touched a woman. I've touched death. You're dying. You're dying! So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that too many times? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to imply that I would kill you in the apocalypse, because then you might suspect me of doing so. I really wonder, like... I really wonder if my neighbors would suspect me or not of being the person who survives, of, like, being the survivor. Because it's always the quiet ones, and I'm very quiet, right? And so it's an honest-to-God question. Do my neighbors, like, they look at the apocalypse, do they factor me into it? Do they factor me breaking into their house at 3.30 in the morning and, like, standing over their fucking, like, gas canister in their garage going, like, I don't know if I'm going to kill you. This is all I need. You left me. You left a gas can out. Maybe you all want to die. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think that maybe if you didn't want to die, you shouldn't have left this out? Did you think about that? Because I did. I thought about it. Uh, this one goes out to any woman who wants to go to an Airbnb with me and finds me awake at 3.30 in the morning. Enjoy that moment. I keep saying I'm going to read, and then I keep thinking of something else that I want to say before I read. I think I do this every week. There's just so much fun in it. But when Twilight was coming out, I was seriously seeing a woman when that, when that series of books was getting really popular right before the movies were about to come out, I think. Um, but that, that series of books was really popular. And so I... I told her, don't you think it would be so creepy if I was staring at you while you were sleeping? And she just kind of gave me a look. English wasn't her first language. She just kind of gave me a look, and she thought, you know, of all the things that I've seen you do, staring at me while I was asleep would be just comforting compared to some of them. We continued to date for like a year and a half. <laughs> Well, I had pretty good blackmail on her, so. <clears throat> Every woman who dates me, she's like, ugh. <laughs> okay, okay, we've got a lot of requests, and I have uh, gone down a lot of emotional paths so far. Let's just go ahead and get started. I want to thank everybody who did go ahead and come on out, make the shows happen, request, tip, all the rest. I appreciate it and you. And let's just take a big chunk out of uh, this, shall we? <clears throat> just before she flew off like a swan to her wealthy parents' summer home, Bruce's college girlfriend asked him to improve the expertise at oral sex and offered him some technical advice. Use nothing but his tongue tip to flip the light switch in his room on and off a hundred times a day until he grew fluent at the nuances of force and latitude. Imagine him at practice every evening, more inspired than ever, was at algebra, beads of sweat spreading upon his brow, thinking, 37, 38, 
seeing in the tunnel vision... Gosh damn it, cat. Seeing in the tunnel vision of his mind's eye, the quadratic equation of her climax yield to the logic of his simple math. Maybe he unscrewed the bulb from his apartment ceiling so that passerbys would not believe a giant firefly was pulsing in its electric abdomen in 13B. Maybe as he stood two inches from the wall in darkness, fogging the old plaster with his breath, he visualized the future as a mansion standing on the shore. Maybe he was rowing to with his, mon- with his tongue's exhausted oar. Of course, the girlfriend dumped him, met someone, a pre-ski who, using nothing but his nose, could identify the vintage of a cabaret. Sometimes we are asked to get good at something we have no talent for, or we excel at something we will never have the opportunity to prove. Often, we ask ourselves to make absolute sense of what just happens, and in this way, what we are practicing is suffering which everyone practices, but strangely few of us grow graceful in. The climaxes of suffering are complex, costly, beautiful, but secret. Bruce never played the light switch again. So the avenues we walk down full of bodies wearing faces are full of hidden talent, enough to make pianos moan, sidewalks split, streetlights, Deliriously flicker. Self-improvement. Tony Hogland. H-O-A-G-L-A-N-D. Well, that was very pretty. <clears throat> Ended much nicer than I than than uh, I thought it would at the beginning. You know? Okay, okay. <clears throat> Music I heard with you was more than music, and bread I broke with you was more than bread, and now I am without you. All is desolate. All that was once so beautiful is dead. Your hands once touched this table and its silver, and I have seen your fingers hold this grace. These things do not remember you, beloved, and yet your touch on them will not pass. For it was in my heart you moved among them, and blessed them with your hands and with your eyes, and in my heart you will remember always they knew you once, O beautiful and wise. Bread and Music Conrad Aiken Interesting poems tonight. Gold is for the mistress, silver for the maid, copper for the craftsman cunning at his trade. Good, said the baron, sitting in his hall, but iron, cold iron, is master of them all. So he made rebellion against the kings and his liege, camped before the citadel, and summoned it to siege. Nay, said the cannoneer, on the castle wall, but iron, cold iron, shall be master 
of you all. Woe for the baron and his knights so strong, when the cruel cannonballs laid them all along. He was taken prisoner, he was cast in thrall, and iron, cold iron, was master of them all. And yet his king spake kindly, Ah, how kind a lord! What if I release thee now and give thee back thy sword? Nay, said the baron, mock not at all my fall, For iron, cold iron, is master of men all. Tears are for the craven, prayers are for the clown, Halters for the silly neck that cannot keep a crown. As my loss is grievous, so my hope is small, for iron, cold iron, must be master of men all. Yet his king made an answer, few such kings there be, here is bread and there is wine, sit and sup with me, eat and drink in Mary's name, whilst in whiles I do recall how iron, cold iron, can be master of men all. He took the wine and blessed it, he blessed and brake the bread, and his own hands he served them, and presently he said, See these hands they pierced with nails outside my city wall, show iron, cold iron, to be master of men all. Wounds are for the desperate, blows are for the strong, balm and oil are weary hearts, are cut and bruised with wrong. I forgive thy treason. I redeem thy fall, for iron, called iron, be master of men all. Crowns are for the valiant, scepters for the bold, thrones are for the powers of mighty men who dare take hold. Nay, said the baron, kneeling in his hall, but iron, called iron, is master of men all. Iron out the cavalry is master of men all. Cold Iron, Rudyard Kipling. <sighs> and maybe no more fucking cat interruptions. We have had, we have had a real show. We've had, we've had women who are just uh, who came out and and then fussy, and uh, we've had cats running in and out of the fucking the whole time. We've got a virus going. Tip me. Share the show. Thank you for coming out. I'm an entertainer. Pay me, uh, and pay me if you can't with money, then pay me in, uh, pay me in fucking uh, likes, reshares, follows, all the rest. I know you're out there. Real Grey Knight on Twitter. Tumblr, Grey Knight Erotica. I'm pushing through. I know that you love it. Show me that you do. Okay. <clears throat> that cat comes in one more time, I'm going to scream bloody fucking murder. Someone else interrupts my goddamn show, I'm going to scream. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> this evening I unzipped my skin and carefully unscrewed my head, exactly as I always do when I prepared myself for bed. And while I slept, a cuckoo came as naked as can be, and put on skin and screwed on my head that once belonged to me. Now wearing my feet, he runs through the street in a most disgraceful way, doing things and saying things I'd never do or say, 
ticking the children and kicking the men and dancing the ladies away. So if he makes your bright eyes cry or makes your poor head spin, the scoundrel you see is really not me. He's the cuckoo who's wearing my skin. Skin Stealer, Shale Silverson. Just going to say for the record, I found out that guy was a creep. I grew up reading him too, but then I found out he was a creep. All right. Twist me a crown of wind flowers that I may fly away to hear the singers and their song and players at the play. Put me on your crown of wind flowers, but whither would you go beyond the surging of the sea and the storms that blow? Alas, your crown of windflowers can never make you fly. I twist them in the crown today, and tonight they die. Twist me in a crown of windflowers. Christina Georgina Rossetti. Goodness, really interesting poems tonight. Soon as the sun forsook the eastern main, the pealing thunder shook the heavenly plain. Majestic grandeur from the zephyr's wing exhales the incense of the blooming spring. Soft pearl the streams, the birds renew their notes, and through the air their mingled music floats. Through all the heavens and beauteous dyes are spread, but the west glories in the deepest Red. So may our breasts be ever virtue glow, the living temples of our God below, filled with the praise of him who gives the light and draws the sable curtains of the night. Let placid slumber soothe each weary mind and mold to wake up heavenly, more refined. So shall the labors of our day begin, more pure, more guarded from the snares of sin. Night's laden scepter seals my drowsy eyes, then cease my song till fair Aurora rise. A Hymn to the Evening Phyllis Wheatley The skies, they were ashen and sober. The leaves, they were crisped and sere. The leaves, they were withering and sere. It was a night in the lonesome October of the immemorial year. It was hard by the dim lake of Arbor in the misty midwinter of Weir. It was down by the dank tarn of Arbor in the goal-haunted woodland of Weir. Here once I thought of the alley titanic, of Cyprus I roamed with my soul, of Cyprus with Psyche my soul. There were days when my heart were volcanic, and the sorratic rivers that roll, and the lavas that relentlessly roll, the sulfurous currents down Yannick, in the ultimate climes of their pole, that groan as they roll down Mount Yannack, in the realms of the boreal. Pole. 
Our talk has been serious and sober, but the thoughts they were uh, palsied and sear. Our memories were treacherous and sear, for we knew not the month of October, and we marked not the night of the year. Ah! Night of all nights in the year, we noted that the dim lake of Arbor that once had journeyed down here, we remembered the dark tarn of Arbor, now the goal-haunted woodland of Weir. And now the night was semi-sent... Hmm. All right, I appreciate whoever put that one in there. I'm going to have to cut it there. It's a long, epic poem with a lot of weird spelling and names. I'm dyslexic. A lot of fun. Let's skip it. Okay. <clears throat> that, for another ten minutes, was that poem. So, uh, I, no, no disrespect to anybody who put it in there. The more uh, 16 and 1700 words in there, and the more uh, proper nouns you have, the more willing I am to skip. Okay. So. <clears throat> Remember the sky that you were born under. For each of the star's stories. Remember the moon. Know who she is. Remember the sun's birth at dawn, that it is the strongest point in time. Remember sundown and the giving away tonight. Remember your birth, how your mother struggled to give you form and breath. You are evidence of her life and her mother's and hers. Remember your father. He is your life also. Remember the earth whose skin you are. Red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth. We are earth. Remember the plants, trees, animal life who all have their tribes, their families, their histories to talk to them, listen to them. They are alive poems. Remember the wind. Remember her voice. She knows the origin of this universe. Remember that you are all people, and all people are you. Remember you are this universe, and this universe is you. Remember all is in motion, is growing, is you. Remember language comes from this. Remember the dance language is, that is life. Remember. Untitled. We've got one last poem. Again, thank you to everybody who requested one. Really interesting poems tonight. <clears throat> to be in love is to touch with a lighter hand. In yourself you stretch. You are well. You look at things through his eyes. A cardinal is red. A sky is blue. Suddenly, you know he knows, too. He is not there, but you know you are tasting together this winter, or a light spring weather. His hand to take your hand is over much, too much to bear. You cannot look in his eyes, because your pulse must say not to. What must not be said. When he shuts a door is not there, your arms are water, and you are free with a ghastly freedom. 
You are a beautiful half of a golden hurt. You remember and covet his mouth to touch, to whisper on. Oh, when to declare is certain death. Oh, when to apprise is to mesmerize, to see fall down the column of gold into the commonest ash. To be in love. Gwendolyn Brooks All right, we've got a lot of love letters today. So anybody who uh, anybody who wanted love letters, we've been requesting more and more of those. So let's just go ahead and just say thank you to everybody who did. Uh, I do appreciate everybody who got such uh, wonderful and diverse poetry up there. It is interesting uh, always getting uh, more uh, and and new a little sip of water, more and new uh, uh, poetry into circulation. One of the reasons why people think that I'm so cultured is because you guys pay me to read poems and stories. And uh, so I get to get that experience, and then I get to use that to seduce women. So it's, uh, it's kind of triple dipping, and I really appreciate it each and every last one of you that helps me do it. <laughs> I think I'm going to save that one for last. Why not? Since somebody clearly suggested that one because of me, I'll save that one for last. Or maybe I won't read it at all. Because if you pander to me, I don't know what I'm about to read before I pull it up, but if you pander to me, maybe I don't read that one. Maybe if you're just going through, like, my blog and stuff and you're pulling out, like, favorites for me to read, I'm like, Oh, my God, guys, do you like that one, too? Maybe I don't read it. Ugh. This show is a show of the fucking damned. I tried my hardest. I wrote. I came in. I really wanted to read anything. I came in, and then right before I do, 150 new people in South Korea. Like, after I wrote the apocalypse and everything, the cat running in and out, she grabbed the paper. There's tummy noises. You won't be able to hear them because they're very, very slight. I know. I know. And now someone's just like, they're sending really, like, complex poems, and, like, they're here at the live show, and they're making comments like, Oh, I guess you don't have to read mine. Like, come on, goddammit! What kind of sh- Like, if this was a live show, and you wrote that- If you said that out loud at my stand-up special or whatever, I would make so much hay off you. If you chose to, in front of me- Say, like, I guess that's fair in the middle of my show. You better expect, like, it's that's the point of the comedy special where I make the camera point at you, and then I make everybody in the audience look at you, and then I talk about you, and I judge you in real time, and everybody claps at me. I can't do that on a radio show, otherwise get people get mad at me, but I want to. And it's the third time this show has happened. Why do you come out to my show, jerks? All right, this is the part that Ellie gets rid of, I guess. <sighs> this is me still trying to have control over it, though. This is me trying to express my emotions. But this is... My God, what a show of the damned. Pay me and make me more famous so that we can boot people like this and you'll cheer me. 
There's just something. There's just something about the live shows and the energy, and I just love it. I do. So I'm just going to shake it all off and get right back to it. I really do appreciate all of you. Really do think it's interesting. It does feel a little lit like Letter Kenny. Has anybody seen that show? That's what it feels like. It feels a little bit like Letter Kenny. <laughs> it just kind of feels it just kind of feels like I'm in the middle of my little Canadian outpost and I'm trying to set up my shop. And occasionally, very, very strange characters come up and uh, come up and and and. Uh... Is this complaining? Is this me, Rachel Maddowing? I just don't know how to do it. Do I need to just always be positive if it's showtime? If that's the rule, then just tell me, because I can fake it, and then afterwards I can yell. But I don't want to do that. But you tell me, and I will. And I'll always just during showtime be like, okay, all right, I guess there's a jerk out there. Is it two? Okay. Is it three? Woo. No? See, someone's saying they learn from this, and that makes me feel bad, because I want to put on a good show. <sighs> this is how the live podcasters that do live podcasts do it, as far as I can tell, as long as they're not Chris Hayes. But, like, most of the podcasters who go around and, like, tour and they, like, do live stuff, when the audience is rowdy, they fucking stop their show, the podcasters, and get into the audience. I don't know how many people here, like, really listen to podcasts or, like, are a fan of the medium, but I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of the touring podcaster. I really am. And especially when they go to, like, Australia and they do that circuit and the Australians go crazy. And they they just kind of abandon their shit because there's almost, at least in one of the four Australian shows, like occasionally Australia will just get drunk as shit and just be screaming at them from 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 within mic range. And almost every time this happens, they will stop the show and be like, what are you saying, you drunk fucking Aussie? What's happening, Australia? What the fuck? Almost everybody, almost every podcaster I know who I've listened to who has done the circuit in Australia, done the four or five cities in Australia. There's only four or five cities in Australia, according to podcasters. And if you do all of them, all four or five cities, every last one of them at least once has gotten into like a, what the fuck is going on with you? Uh, and I, I don't want to teach you. I want to have an audience. I really do. I really do. And I want the audience to be normal. But I also want to go, what the fuck are you doing this week? Why aren't you like last week or the week before? What the fuck? What is happening? <laughs> but it's not as fun for you. So I'm learning. I just, I really, <sighs> I talked, I, here's, here's one of my frustrations before I get into love letters. I just did two different bits where people are dying. And I'm eating them for money. And people got that they were bits. Like, nobody even questioned it. Nobody, like, even blinked about it. Like, immediately the joke was clear. Like, I get what he's doing. And, and he's talking about this. But I know that he doesn't mean it with that sincerity. Uh, now, when I talk... <laughs> when I talk... A lot of Aussie, 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 always, always, always in chance. Which is exactly what I fear would happen if I actually went to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> after after all this just nothing but show me them buns and i like your hat being shouted at me 
for 90 minutes. Uh, but I I want to have the same thing where I can joke with my audience about like the heat or like what's going on and express that same frustrations about that as disease and Dick Cheney and uh, people who don't use their turn signals. And if that can't happen, I'm okay with it. Let me know, because if you can't have a good time with me expressing it at you, then that's that. If I'm Rachel Maddowing, if I'm turning down my volume because you don't like my agita, uh, that's a real thing, because I need you to have, to have a good time for me to have, a, to have a good time. I need it. That's why I'm here. I have a good time no matter what I do, so I need you to have a good time. <laughs> the, I mean, that's just the truth. I'm great company. Just ask any gal who's trying to flirt with me these days and is like, I don't understand what's happening. I keep being fun and naked, and he's not biting. And the answer is, yeah, 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 you're fun and naked. But are you more fun and naked than I am alone? Because I'm already fun and naked, you see. I'm already having a good time over here. I'm already not wearing pants. I can already masturbate whenever I want. In fact, I can masturbate whenever I want. If I'm flirting with you, I've got to masturbate as you're letting me have that information. I can't just stop flirting with you and masturbate. I wish that I could. Then I might flirt with women on the internet a lot more. I could go, okay, that was great. 17 lines in or whatever, and be like, hey, a throw reference. You did it. I'm going to masturbate now. Catch you next time. That'd be fantastic. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You also don't like the Boondock Saints? That's fantastic. Chugga, 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 chugga. Let's not ruin it. See you next week. Let's take this real slow. I like you. Fortunately, that's not how it works. So I can masturbate, and I can have a good time whenever I want on my end. So you have to be nakeder and more fun than the time that I can have alone for me to keep flirting with you. It's a very, very difficult prospect. I don't know how you're going to manage it either. <sighs> All right, so that's me talking about my feelings. We'll see how much Allie fucking cuts out of that. Because <laughs> we appreciate and we love her very much. Can we all thank Allie? Aria and Serena, real quick, for all that they do, keeping the show running, keeping me on track, letting the big baby point at his big baby stage and microphone so that he can go on his big baby way. They make it possible. They're so good. We appreciate them very, very, very much. Don't we? I have the best fans. Thank you, girls, for supporting them, for supporting me. It means a lot. I don't like the side of me that I just showed, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say about it. And now I'm going to go right in to the love letters just as soon as I sip this water. It's going to kick off in a second, hypothetically speaking. And then we'll read them, get into the smut, get everybody to their weekend. And I hope everyone's going to have a good one, too. For those of you who are unaware and are listening to a recording of this, if you come out to a live show, not only do you get minutes and minutes and sometimes up to an hour before of fun interaction, thoughts, and all the rest, thoughts about gargoyles and 
other 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 Disney classic cartoons that are not quite suitable for broadcast. Afterwards, there's also music. People just jukebox it out, and you will hear some of the coolest, some of the most interesting stuff that you've ever heard. It's one of my favorite times of the week. Fridays are my favorite day of the week. Come on out to the server. Say hello. The girls are all more cheery and supportive than I am. I, I collectively leech off their energy and slowly become a better person. Won't you join me? <laughs> In the exact same way, a lake leeches cyanide from apple seeds that fall, in, fall into it. I don't know if that's technically true. I've been wondering about that, like, for days now, but I haven't looked it up yet because I'm obsessed with uh, COVID-19. I keep wondering, if enough apples fall into a lake, does that lake become cyanided? Does it become a cyanide lake? Over time? If enough apples fall into a lake and then biodegrade into that water, does the water become whatever you would call the scientific term for poisoned by cyanide over time? These are the things that I wonder. If, if ever you're sitting next to me and we're watching a reality show and I'm not looking at the screen and you go, what are you thinking about? And I go, nothing. There's a 80% chance that it's about Batman or a Batman-related villain. A 10% chance it's about U.S. politics. And a 10% chance it's just something like that where I'm just like, how many apples? Does a pig have to get in its mouth to die cyanide poisoning? So that if you ate the pig, you would die of cyanide poisoning. And if an ogre ate you, it would die of cyanide poisoning. Assuming that the ogre metabolizes you through a bile process in the liver. Well, you have, you can't just assume the biology. Why the fuck would a dragon have a liver? Doesn't make sense. What, it's got all the normal organs and then the flighty one? And then the fire one as well? No, they've got to have different organs. Just logical. All right. <clears throat> when I proposed the theory of relativity, very few understood me, and now I will reveal now to transmit to mankind will also collide with the misunderstanding and prejudice in the world. I ask you to guard the letters as long as necessary, years, decades, until society is advanced enough to accept what I will explain below. There is an extremely powerful force that, so far, science has found too formal an explanation to. It is a force that includes and governs all others, 
and is even behind any phenomena operating in the universe, and has not yet been identified by us. The universal force is love. What scientists looked for in a unified theory of the universe, they forgot the most powerful unseen force. Love is light that enlightens those who give and receive it. Love is gravity, because it makes some people feel attracted to others. Love is power, because it multiplies the best we have. It allows humanity not to be extinguished in their blind selfishness. Love unfolds and reveals. Love. We live. For love. We die. This force explains everything and gives meaning to life. This is the variable that we have ignored for too long, maybe because we are afraid of love, because it is the only energy in the universe that man has not learned to drive at will. To give visibility to love, I made a simple substitution to my most famous equation. Instead of E equals MC squared, we accept that the energy to heal the world can be obtained through love, multiplied by the speed of light squared. We arrive at the conclusion that love is the most powerful force there is because it has no limits. After the failure of humanity to use and control the other forces of the universe that have turned against us, it is urgent that we nourish ourselves with another kind of energy. If we want our species to survive, if we are to find the meaning of life, if we want to save the world, if every sentient being that inhabits it, love is the one and only answer. Perhaps we are not yet ready to make a bomb of love, a device powerful enough to entirely destroy the hate, selfishness, and greed that devastate the planet. However, each individual carries within them a small but powerful generator of love whose energy is waiting to be released. When we learn to give and receive this universal energy, my dear, we will affirm that love conquers all, is able to transcend everything and anything because love is the quintessence of life. I deeply regret not having been able to express what it is in my heart which has quietly beaten for you all my life. Maybe it is too late to apologize, but as time is relative, I need to tell you that I love you. And thanks to you, I have reached the ultimate answer. Your Father Love Letter from Albert Einstein to His Daughter Oh, my. Okay. A very different love letter coming up. <clears throat> One of these days I will wake up, which I think I have done already, and realize to myself, I really do love. I find it very difficult to allow my whole life the rest of existence on another creature. I find it equally difficult because of my innate arrogance to believe in the idea of love. I lust after your smell and your round belly and your exquisite softness of the inside of your thighs and your baby bottom and your giving lips and your half-hostile look when your eyes, when you run deep in rut. My blind eyes are desperately waiting for the sight of you. You don't realize, of course, how fascinatingly beautiful you have always been and how strangely you have acquired and added a special and 
dangerous loveliness, your breasts jutting out from that half-asleep, languid, lingering body, the remote eyes, the parted lips. I have been inordinately lucky all my life, but the greatest luck of all has been Elizabeth. She has turned me into a model man, but not a prig. She is wildly exciting. She is shy and witty. She is nobody's fool. She is a brilliant actress. She is beautiful beyond the dreams of pornography, and she can be arrogant and willful. She is clement and loving. She is Sunday's child and can be tolerant of my impossibilities and my drunkenness. She is the ache in the stomach when I am for her. And she loves me. She is the prospectus that can never be entirely catalogued, an almanac for poor Richard. And I shall love her forever. Richard Burton to Elizabeth Taylor. I don't think Dick quite managed his vow there. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, I wish that I could write a love letter like that. I really do, where I could be like, I love you. And let me just say at the beginning, I never thought I could love you. So let me just say that I love you. Anyways, I really like your tits and your ass and fucking you. And uh, yeah, sometimes you're mouthy, but you really are fun to fuck and good to look at. And I love you. That's what that love letter was, right? What was I missing? He said, I don't know if I can love, then talked about a physicality, then said that he was really lucky, then talked about a physicality, then said goodnight, right? Did I miss something there? I I think he also, ins no, he did insult her willfulness. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess he did say that she could be loving. If the greatest compliment a man pays you as a woman is that you're really good at serving him or really good at showing affection to him... Hey, girls that pay me for sex, notice what I'm saying right here, uh, is how, how affectionate you are and how good you are showing affection to him. Uh, that's a danger sign. That's a danger sign. I once had a, a woman, I've talked about this before, I don't know if I should ever make it a series or something, but unexpected lays, where I just was unexpectedly talking to a woman and I was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to get laid. And once I was talking to a woman, she was a psychologist, we were just talking, and she looked at me, and she said, Wow, all of your compliments, and not one of them was physical. And I just went, <laughs> I'm going to get laid. <laughs> I wasn't even trying. Hey, I know what that means. <laughs> I know what a sudden wow means before someone talks about my words. Yay. Okay. <clears throat> Love letter number three. Dear Sir, in reply to your letter dated 23rd November 1950, I'm applying for the situation as wife. I would make a very poor wife as I dislike housework intensely and also dislike getting up in the morning, making beds, washing dishes, clothes, and children. The only qualification is that being of a naturally dumb nature, I would not make too many demands of your spare time and... I also undertake to supply you with one gun vrew, preferably medium. I also do hereby give you permission to spank all children as and when occasion arises. My cooking 
is abominable. My housewifery, a disgrace. My slips show at times, and I am able to swear and make rude gestures at odd time. In fact, the only thing I'm really good at is making love to your noble self, and I promise you I shall practice until I become a blooming expert. Although realizing the unworthiness of my humble self, all I can offer you by ways of excuse is, Brother, you asked for it, and you sure are going to get it. Yours, ever so lovingly, Mavis. Oh, that name. Letter from Mavis to Private Jackson, posted online by their grandson. Very cute. I thought that was going to be a famous couple. Turns out not, and that's my favorite love letter that we've heard in a while. That was very cute. Loved it. <clears throat> they said, Almitra. Speak to us of love, and he raised his head and looked upon his people, and there fell a stillness upon them, and with a great voice he said, When you love, beckons to you, follow him. Though his ways are hard and steep, and his wings enfold you to yield to him, though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you, and when he speaks to you, believe in him, though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste on the garden, for even as love crowns you shall he crucify you, even as he is your growth, so he is your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them to the clinging of the earth, like sheaves of corn that gather you unto himself, like sheaves that make you naked, shifts you free from his husks, grinds you into whiteness, and kneads you until you are pliant. And then... He assigns you to his sacred fire that you may become sacred bread for God's sacred feast. And all these things shall love do unto you that you may know the secrets of your heart and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. But if in your heart you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you that you cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor into the sea seasonless world where you shall laugh, but not all your laughter, and weep, but not all your tears. Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed, for love is sufficient unto love. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. And think not that you can direct the course of love, for love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. Love has no other desire but to fulfill itself, but if you love, you must need desire. Let these be your desires, to melt, and like a running brook that sings its melody to the night, to know the pain of too much tenderness, to be wounded by your own understanding of love and to bleed willingly and joyfully, to wake at dawn with a winged heart, to give thanks for another day of loving, to rest the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy, to return home at evening tide with gratitude, and then to sleep 
with a prayer for the beloved of your heart and sing the praise upon your lips. On Love by Khalil Gabron <clears throat> Last love letter for tonight. Seven o'clock in the morning. My waking thoughts are all of thee. Your portrait and the remembrance of last night's delirium have robbed my sense of repose. Sweet and incomparable Josephine, what an extraordinary influence you have over my heart. Are you vexed? Do I see you sad? Are you ill at ease? My soul is broken with grief, and there is no rest for your lover. But is there more for me when, delivering ourselves up to the deep feelings which master me, I breathe out upon your lips, upon your heart, a flame which burns me up? Ah! It was this past night I realized that your portrait was not you. You start at noon. I shall see you in three hours. Meanwhile, dulce amor. Accept a thousand kisses, but give me none, for they are fire in my blood. Napoleon Bonaparte to his wife, Josephine. All right, guys, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it and you. And now I have to figure out. Oh, maybe I don't have to figure it out. Let's see. I'll read the long one first, and then we'll see. So we're going to get at least this long porn story in. It looks fun. It goes by the name Stood Up, and because I've already been talking so long, let's get right on into it. One little sip of water. Appreciate all of you one last time for listening, making it this far through. Believe it or not, even on frustrating Fridays, Fridays are always my favorite day. You are my favorite part of it, and my weekend is almost here. Oh, I'm so excited. Here we go. <clears throat> I risked another glance at my watch. More than 15 minutes had passed since I last looked. I followed my pathetic pattern of checking the time while dialing his number, which went straight to voicemail. Again. I tried not to let the fear and mortification simmer, but it rose like bile in my throat. I was stood up. I was pretty sure a full hour late meant he wasn't coming, but now... I was just left what to do with the new realization. I shut my eyes, hoping the answer might come. The string of rejection brought heat to the back of my lids, but I wouldn't cry. Not here. Not tonight. I opened my eyes to see Renaud's gaze pinned to me, his brows pulled together. In the middle of his forehead, his arms crossed over his broad chest and leaned against the door in the kitchen. He'd work the bar every time I visited. 
Ooh. I think we've read this one before. If this is the one where he takes her back and has sex with her over the grate, we for sure had sex with this one. Because <laughs> I remember his name and I remember I remember this. Uh, this. <laughs> I think we've done this one before. I think I think they have sex over a grate in the kitchen. <clears throat> Worse yet, I never miss the different perfumes wafting over James when I come home. Yeah, at the end of dinner, we've done this one before, 100%. Hold on, I'm skipping ahead. Option tonight, Renault takes her back. I just, we got to get back to the, the great because that's what I remember. We've only got one short porn story after this one, guys. I'm so sorry. We have done this one before. I'm positive. Take this off, the skirt. Come. He breathes into my pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Always, always say come right into the pussy. Come on. I know you're in here. <laughs> I know. I know it is. I did control F, thank you. I just don't remember the wording of it. All right, you need to clean up. Here we go. The pussy's still running. Renault freed the sprout from his base and turned the heat on only a fraction. He turned it on me so that my ass was pressed against his erection and let the spray douse my chest, run down my legs. The water was hot but not scalding. I barely noticed as it pulled at our feet before disappearing down the drain. I knew it. I knew it. He sprays them both off with the dish thing that I used at Pizza Hut that was kind of like that. You have a kind of thing and it's a, you press, I don't know if anyone's ever done commercial or industrial dishes. And then you, there's a, there's like a shower head and you grab it and he fucking spray. He's fucking fucking her from behind in his restaurant kitchen that he owns. And he's got an apartment upstairs because it turns out that he owns the restaurant and the kitchen but it's on the lobby of an apartment building and he owns the building and he has a fucking bed and apartment upstairs but he's still fucking her in the fucking stainless steel kitchen and then washing her off like she's a pan of fucking escargot. <sighs> I remember that story. That's why I hit immediately. I'm like, I remember this story. He f He's rich, but he washes her off with a fucking scrub brush. What a freak. That's how Jeff Bezos does it, too. Jeff Bezos will only fuck you if you go to an Amazon delivery center and he can make the conveyor belt move back and forth for him. It's the only way that Jeff Bezos will fuck you. It's a well-known fact. Jeff Bezos... <laughs> Bill Gates will fuck you just like Windows. That is saying that just like as he's booting up, you get 30 seconds of sound and then he... Ah! And crashes. That's a Bill Gates fuck. They all... Uh, billionaires fuck like their enterprises. It's a well-known fact. Everybody knows this. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Let's read this one instead. I've been attending classes at Evolution Yoga Studio for about two months now. Yoga has become a part of my lifestyle for spiritual 
and physical purposes. I was initially nervous to feel embarrassed as a 32-year-old guy attending yoga, but I've been pleasantly surprised by the welcome I'd received. While I am no sculpture of David, I have gained confidence in my body, especially my lower half, where my days spent spending baseball as a catcher still reveal some definition in my thighs and butt. My nervousness also extended to my mental and physical responses to seeing attractive women in skin-tight clothing. <laughs> Yoga has always been erotically charting for me. Even when practically by myself. Luckily, I have avoided all the embarrassing signs of yoga arousal so far. Uh, erotically charting for me? Like, like a pirate captain chart? Like a chart? Chart? Erotically charting? Like, set sun for erotic adventure. I've got a chart. Erotic chart. <laughs> uh, my confidence grew, and two weeks ago I began attending hot yoga classes. With me being comfortable with my sexuality, seeking comfort in a hot room, and being a bit of an exhibitionist, I purchased a pair of skin-tight yoga shorts that reached about halfway down my thighs. After a few classes, I noticed that I became sweaty and the definition of my slightly semi-erect cock would clearly appear. No one seemed to notice, so I continued wearing the shorts. There were women of many shapes in the classes, only one size, most of which I could easily fantasize about. But there was one who stood out. We had never spoke, but she was at every class. She was a natural blonde. Her hair always tied up. Oh, boy. The natural there is really problematic. <laughs> her hair always tied up tightly after class. Her bottoms alternated between capri and shortcut shorts. My guess? She was always commander. Her top was typically a sports bra, which seemed to fall slightly short of full coverage of her round boobs. She was toned, but not muscular. Her hips moved freely during our practice, which made my round juicy ass incredibly distracting. I often had to look away from her, so I did not reveal an eager erection through my skimpy shorts. Uh... Yeah, I imagine she's pretty loose in a yoga class, asshole. Would be the one author's note. <clears throat> when classes ended, most people typically scattered, with a few stayed to speak with the instructor, chat with the other classmates, or shower off layers of sweat. That's a crazy yoga studio. I always stayed and showered after class. It was mostly a meditative type of ritual. There was usually only a couple of other guys who would attend, and rarely would they stay after class. <laughs> it became part of my routine to be a straggler after the 7.30 p.m. class, and I was often the last person to leave other than the instructor who would lock the place up as she left. During one seemingly normal class, the boner-causing girl glanced over at me several times. 
Was I staring? Did I have a raging heart on? Neither was true. All right, we're definitely going to have to read that sentence again. Here we go. <clears throat> During one seemingly normal class, the boner-causing girl glanced over at me several times. Was I staring? Did I have a raging heart on? Neither was true. It seems like she would look me in the eye and then quickly gaze down to my visible penis line and then go back to her poses. It was very distracting, but I tried to stay focused on my practice. Her glances continued, maybe five or six by the end of class. I swear her movement seemed more sexual and sensual somehow tonight. Maybe. Maybe. It was my imagination running wild. The class ended and the typical scattering ensued. Sexy girl stayed, however. She spoke with the instructor and seemed to be asking for some feedback on poses. I decided to stay back and continue stretching. I stayed back and tried to look casual, but I was becoming aroused at this point. The girl positioned herself with her back to me and bent, twisted, stretching, giving me kinds of views of her amazing ass and body. Even her full pussy lips had definition through the gray right capris. To avoid seeming creepy, <laughs> to avoid seeming creepy, I stood up and began heading for the men's locker room as they wrapped their mini lesson. As I walked, I heard the instructor asking the girl to look up. As she heard to run right after class, the girl agreed, and I heard the exchange of clanking keys. It was a cold winter night, I should have mentioned at some point in this story, and the place seemed quieter at this point, as it seemed nearly everyone had scampered off right after class. Before reaching the door of the locker room, the girl spoke. Hey... You were the guy who just started a couple weeks ago, right? My heart and brain skipped a beat. Then I replied, Yeah, I'm still new to this yoga thing. Everyone here has been very helpful. Well, you've made a lot of progress in a couple of weeks. She said, I've noticed you... Really look more flexible today, and you seem to be building strength. Keep at it. You're doing great. Thanks, I replied. It helps to have people like you around, who I can watch, who clearly know what they're doing. With that, she smiled almost a little flirtatiously, and we both entered our locker rooms. I took a moment to sit on the bench and gather myself. Fuck, she's hot, I thought to myself, as I looked down to see a massive throbbing boner in my shorts. I knew I had to relieve this pressure like now. I knew no other men were here, but I looked around and listened carefully for signs of life before pleasuring myself in the open locker room. Check. 
No dudes here. I heard the woman shower flick on, and my hand found its way to myself. I was nearly certain the sexy girl was the only other person here. I thought of her sweaty porcelain skin under the water, as well as her curvy, thick, toned legs, and her plump but firm-looking tits. What the fuck are firm tits? I want to ask every band who uses the fucking description. The fuck are firm tits? Every time I read it. Never a woman. Always a man. The fuck are firm tits? Describe them. I wondered what a nipples looked like. And what a pubic situation was like. It's a good thing he wondered that after he wanted to appear not creepy. Wondering what her pubic situation... Because a guy openly staring at a woman and wondering what her pubic situation is like is a 100% way to be creepy. I wonder what her pubic situation was like. I guess cleanly shaven. Some kind of cute landing strip. I flopped my cock out of my shorts and started stroking with the image of her in mind. There was no fucking around. Oh, there was no one fucking around here. I had to get this nut out now. I spread my legs, kept stroking, and felt the familiar pulsing, creeping sensation shoot down my groin. I would never ejaculate in a public place. But this moment overtook my best judgment. And my cum shot out in multiple streams. He's skipping over all the sex. He's skipping over all of the part that a woman might actually find attractive and interesting. And he's just all like, so I was there. I made sure no dudes were around. Chugga, chugga, chugga. And now back to the fun part. This is, I spend 20 minutes on this part. I spend the five minutes talking about the yoga the yoga studio to get in and be like, oh, my cock, I love touching it. Oh, I'm talking about touching my cock now. Uh. Like, we've got a very different storytelling styles, me and this author. No judgment except for me judging him. All right. <clears throat> All right, so he nuts up super quick. After saying he wouldn't nut up. I was mentally tracking where I deposited my stuff so I can clean it up later. When I heard the shower abruptly stop, I heard a muffled, Jesus, again? It was the girl. She was pissed about something. Anyway, I laid back on my bench, stretching my back. <laughs> I breathed deeply, trying to center myself before showering and cleaning up. I must have wandered into a meditative state because I shuddered when I heard her voice. Hey, are you in here? <laughs> She's going to see us coming, Juan. What the fuck? This is so gross. She knocked gently, and I heard her footsteps creep through the door to the men's locker room. <laughs> the woman's shower is shit, and I really do need to clean up before work. She explained. At 7 at night, what does she do? This guy only thinks women who work at after 7 p.m. do one thing. It's a stripper. Let's find out. Let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> uh, yeah, give me a minute. I uttered, uh, I can uh, clear out so you can. I was too late. 
She looked down at the scene of me sprawled on the bench, clearly disheveled, my shorts diagonally pulled down with my still semi-erect cock out for her to see. She was well standing behind me in my cum when she says, Huh, looks like you've been having fun. I freeze. Well, you look relaxed and peaceful. I'll give you that, she said. God, I could use some relief, too. She pondered. She raised an eyebrow, smirked, and said, We're both adults here, right? I've noticed the way you've looked at me. She shared. Clearly, we've already crossed a boundary. (laughs) I love the idea of a woman finding my jizz on the floor of a public place and saying to me, Clearly, we've already crossed the boundary. Clearly, this was the both of us. We're in this together now, Jack. Jack, I found you come on the floor. In for a pity, in for the pounding. <laughs> I would never in a million years be able to write this shit. Oh my god. Clearly, we've already crossed a boundary, and clearly, we both have sexual tension in our bodies. What do you say we conserve some hot water and shower together? She asked. She's not done yet, though. You can show me some of your hand skills that helped erupt you from all over the floor. I sit up and study her. She has pale blue eyes and is perfectly proportioned everywhere. I now realize that she walked over in a white towel. He's noticed her eye color, guys. After five, after five weeks of staring and looking at her all night long, he's finally noticed her eye color. It's nice. It's sweet. It's cute. Mommy? Daddy? How did you two meet? I now realize that she walked over to White Towel. There's a small gap in the towel that doesn't reach around her fully, and I can see the silhouettes, not the right word, of her round breast, belly, hips, and down her leg. He could be Richard Burton. Up close, I can now see that she has her lips are full, and I imagine them surrounding my hard cock. Uh, if you insist. I reply, I turn on my own mischievous face. I'm imagining Brad Pitt from Burn After Reading. The way the way that his face comes seconds after he delivers a line. <laughs> I'm imagining this guy's like, uh, if you insist. And then he makes a sexy face like seconds later. <laughs> I turn on my own mischievous face. I'm all warmed up now. Do you really think you can handle these? I ask and hold up my hands, exaggerating their significance like David Schwimmer in that one episode of Friends. If not, you have your mouth and tongue. She quipped. With that, she started over to the shower again, which was partially open to the rest of the room. There were three shower heads lining the wall with benches on either side for towels and caddies. <laughs> Shit, I forgot my shower caddy with soap and everything. Can I borrow yours? 
I gladly hand over my caddy. Stop saying shower caddy. I'm thankful now that I'm a man who uses quality self-care items. And I can feel good about the things I'm handing over. I'll meet you in there, slugger. She said as she finally went over to the shower area. Holy fuck. I say out loud to myself, along with any related statements of shock, panic, and elation, I gather myself as much as I could and decide that first I need to pee. I'm just going to let that hang for a second. I can't walk into this fantasy situation feeling like I have to pee. So, I grab a towel, I head over to the urinal, I relax as much as I can to fully empty my bladder. I notice that there's a series of mirrors. I can easily see a sliver of the shower area. Enough to see how stunning she is. Her hip-to-ass ratio looks more exaggerated than before. And is that a tattoo on her side? I shake a few times and go to wash my hands. With clean hands, I splash cold water on my face and look myself in the mirror. My inner voice encourages... Go get it, motherfucker. So really, all of that was just about him being. He really took the time to write that paragraph. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. I strut over to the shower area, still in my shorts from class. I can feel the testosterone pulsing in my veins as I approach. I have gratitude that I got the first nut out the way. The sight of this woman alone is enough to cause me an early eruption. She is facing the showerhead, the water hitting her chest. My view is perfectly of her round ass. I feel my masculine energy pulsing to my middle. She peeks over her shoulder and smiles. Here, you can help wash me first. She says, handing me my bottle of body wash, only the finest of acts. She then turns to face me and looks down at my crotch. She bends over and seductively pulls my tight, sweaty shorts, revealing my growing cock. I'm not fully erect yet, but enough to cause it to bounce in the waistband slides by. She stands, looks down, bites her lips, and gives my heart on a playful squeeze. (laughs) That'll do. She chimes as she turns back around and faces the pouring water. Behind her, with a couple of inches of separation, I start at her neck and shoulders. I work a lather and run the bottom of her hairline, making strokes down to her shoulders. We have a space between us but my hard cock is now firmly poking between her legs. I fight the urge to glide right into her and devour her. Boy, if you fucking wear your shorts to a gym shower that a woman invited you in, you can't devour shit, son. She's not 
the Big Mac that you pick up on the way home from a club after striking out. You ain't devouring shit, son. She letting you have it. All right. <clears throat> just being just being clear. <laughs> a little afraid that he used... A little, a little offended that he used one of my words there. Uh-uh. I don't think so, Axe Body Wash. No, you don't. No, you fucking don't. I raise my arms in the air, and I glide the soapy lather from her fingertips to her armpits. It feels very intimate to be soaping the strange woman's armpits, but I happen to know that this is a very underrated erogenous zone. It pays off, and she softly moans while I slide down her arm onto her chest. And cup her perfect press. Because, ladies, if you ever want to get your tits fondled, it's right after your armpits, am I right? <laughs> They're more than just a handful, and I notice the left is slightly larger, but they are still ridiculously symmetrical. Circling her nipples, I lean in and softly ask, How's this? <laughs> Keep going, and I'll let you know. She replies, I obeyed. Next was her belly, her soft, sensual belly. I circled the two small moles on her abdomen and leaned in against to nibble her neck. By now, she was moaning deeply and her eyes were closed. My hands grazed by her waistline and I decided to change course. I teased her now clearly wet pussy with a sharp, passing touch while I made my way to her feet and calves. Her legs were strong but feminine. I lathered and made long strokes from her heel to her waistline, ever so teasingly, grazing by her swelling lips. I made my way to her ass, which deserves its own special attention. With both hands full, I squeezed her ass cheeks. I couldn't help but lean in and give her a little bite. She jumped a little, looked back and smirked. She's only got two facial expressions. And I continued lathering her glorious ass. Her tight bottom of a butthole peeked at me while I rubbed. My inner dialogue debated, A bro, you just met this chick, and you're gonna soap up her butt full? W. T. F. On the other hand, it said, We've already gone beyond the social norms here. What the hell? Give her a little tickle. See how she responds. Ah, the inner dialogue of a man with a shower caddy. <clears throat> I went with the ladder. With a new handful of soap, I lathered and cupped beneath her cheeks, rubbed the base of her labia, and then back to her hole, circling gently. She exhaled and let out a low-pitched groan that I had heard before. Aw, yeah. I kept at it for a short while, pressing and circling her asshole, but not going in. She gyrated her hips, moaning and exhaled more intensely. It was time to make... Her squirm, literally the definition of that movement. I stood, spun her around by her hips, and kissed her deeply. I've forgotten how blue her eyes were. 
They were full and tempting lips. I fantasized about those lips at the base of my cock while she looked up at those big blue eyes. I ran my fingers through her hair and pulled her in tightly. I could feel her sexual tension building, needing release, just how I was about thirty minutes ago, all alone in this locker room. My hands traveled to her perky tits, south to her waistline, and further to outline her pussy lips. Circling in it, I made my way to her clit. It was swollen and eager. I rubbed this way and that, reading her cues for her sweet spot. I found it. Her hand grasped mine, begging for more pleasure. I vibrated my fingers on her sweet spot, faster, harder, better. While her breathing became more and more intense, she let out an all whoo and inhaled ha, ah, and moans of pleasure and shrieks filled the hollow, sorry, the hollow locker room. Apologies. Ah, ah, I'm coming. Her orgasm powerfully erupted from a core. I gently stroke her arms while she comes back to earth. She looks at me with yearning eyes, and I teased, How am I doing so far? Before she could respond, I dropped to my knees, lifted her leg onto the caddy bench to fully reveal her womanly glory. Diving in, she gasped as I purposely let me one more time. Diving in, she gasped as I purposely take her clit into my mouth and suck gently. Yeah, yeah, purposely. You spread her legs apart and you put your mouth in her pussy. Yes, it was on purpose. Agreed. Agreed. It was on purpose. That was a purposeful act. We're with you. Then I circle and cross over her clit with my tongue. I alternate between sucking and licking. Ooh, don't suck the, ooh, don't suck the clit. And change paces as I go. While my mouth is, as I work, my hands, I'm going to get, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some hate mail. I like the clit sucking. Yeah, he doesn't know how to do it, though. He's going to do it so that it hurts. You know, he's just going to log on and... It's good, right? I do the alphabet. A, little, little, B, little, little, and then I suck. <laughs> That's how he's going to do it. It's a real gentle art. You really got to gently suck that clit. It's a real gentle application of pressure. Sucking is not the word you just... Suction. Suction. La cool. All right. Uh, to my surprise, while I'm squeezing her ass cheeks, she guides fingers to her asshole. She guides my finger up and down, and between heavy breaths, begs in my ass. I slide my index finger slowly into her tightest hole. What, her nostril's not going to do it for you? Aided by the Lartheny soap, I continue tickling and sucking her clit and lips while her fingers, and now her asshole too. Whew! Huh. Fuck. She gasps. Her second orgasm is more epic. Oh, that was an orgasm. It's more epic than her first. <laughs> ah. Her legs quiver intensely, and she screams out from pleasure. I felt her clit expand 
and then contract in my mouth. Ah! That's quite a large clit. While at the same time, her rectum tightens around my finger, then relaxes again. She came. <laughs> like a blowfish, somebody said in chat. Yes, like a puffer fish. That's what her clit did. That's what women do when they come. Their, their clit is just like a puffer fish. <laughs> you know what it's really like? All right, all jokes aside for all the virgins out there. You know what it's really like with the clit? It's just like the second mouth in an alien from Aliens. It's just like that. You make a woman orgasm, and the clit just jumps out like the second mouth from the alien from Aliens. Just... <laughs> Like a party favor. If you fuck a gal hard enough and you make her come, the clit will just jump out and go right back in like a party favor, back and forth. <coughs> That's how it goes, baby. Happy birthday, Timmy. Happy birthday. I give her a moment to catch her breath. Once she regained her breath, those are the next two sentences, I swear. I dismount my face from a finger and give her a moment to catch her breath. Once she regained her breath, her lusty eyes peered into mine. And she grabbed my cock in one hand, balls in the other. And she twisted. No! No! While the other fondled and teased. She kissed me more gently than when I kissed her. She pressed her suds-covered body into mine. Her full tits pressed into me, taking a few drops of soap along, oh, thank Christ, along with the existing suds on her, she made long strokes from the back of my butt, teasing my ears and nipples along the way. One more time, taking a few drops of soap along with the existing suds left on her, she made long strokes from my back to my butt, teasing my ears and nipples along the way. But is back nipples. Those are the four body parts listed. What the fuck? Where are your nipples, sir? Sir! Sir! Where the fuck are your nipples? Have you paid attention to where your nipples are today, sir? Well, if his, if his nipples are on his back, then it makes sense. She grabs his ears, or she strokes his ass. She pets his back on the way up. She gets his ears, and then she gets his nipples on the way down. But if his nipples are on his front, then she has to grab his ass. He says ass first, then ears, then back. Then she comes around and just tweaks them radio tuners, trying to get that AM, FM radio working. Do 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 to all our ships at sea. <sighs> We're almost done. Nipple play is always at the end of a man's sex fantasy. Nipple play, nipples and eyes don't exist until the penis is ready to start shooting. Come, that's all there is to it. Then she replicated my move on her. She dropped to her knees to lather my calves, thighs, and upwards. Her long, intentional strokes had a sensual urgency to them. I felt my sexual energy channeling to my midsection as she worked. She reached my ass and brought my face closer to my pulsing cock. 
Her fingers lightly grazed the inside of my crack, teasing my asshole. Her tongue reached out and made a long stroke along my shaft. She looked up and smiled. Then I licked my way down to her balls, which she licked and teased. I want you in my mouth. (laughs) Wait, sorry. I got confused. I want to be in your mouth. I utter without thinking. She looked up with concern for the first time. She says, I'm sorry. I can't take your giant cock in my mouth. I have lockjaw. And we don't need paramedics showing up. The mood paused for a moment. Don't worry. She said, you'll get yours. She shifted herself, shifted me, cupped her wet, soapy boobs, and tucked them onto my aching member. Somebody called boob job, they were right. Surrounding my hard one, not hard on, she pressed her tits together, creating a tight, slippery hole for me to fuck. This was not what I was expecting, but it was thrilling nonetheless. Her body moved up and down to please me. She reached her tongue out to swirl the tip of my head while I thrust forward. Then, another surprise twist. She lifts herself up, no words or looks, bends herself in half, exposing her beautiful ass to me. I take as monumental pictures as humanly possible. I assume I'm going to fuck her from behind, but who knows what the fuck she's up to. Bent over, she reaches her hand between her legs, grabs my desperate cock and places it firmly between her thighs right below her pussy lips I know better than to question anything she pulls her hand back and tightens her strong delicious thighs around my aching cock the suction and tension she creates with her legs is like nothing I've ever experienced aided by the slippery soap I pump into her firmly fuck This feels amazing. My caveman brain is memorized by the rippling of her ass. I thrust and thrust some more. I realize I'm pounding with all my strength, but force that could ever be pounded into a vagina. (laughs) That's the takeaway. The takeaway is it's better to fuck thighs. Her strength is evident as she continues to squeeze her legs and leverage my pounding with ease. I'm nearly there. Holy fuck, what are you doing to me? I exclaim. To finish me, she spun back around, got on her knees, and began jerking me furiously. As my pre-cum predicted what was next, she aimed my exhausted, desperate cock directly at her face. While I felt my blow building in my belly, she licked and grazed the tip across my face. My loads came in force, several of them. My first shot straight into her mouth, followed by her cheeks and her neck. As I finished, she looked up at me, my cum dripping out of her mouth and off her face in streams. She licked her lips and smiled. She stood up and we looked at each other, still gasping, no words. We finished washing ourselves side by sides at different shower heads. Still catching our breath. (laughs) Oh my god. We turned off the water. 
She grabbed her towel and wrapped herself. I was still naked, dripping, confused, exhausted, and grateful. She approached me and we embraced for a long, firm hug. She pulled back, smiled once more, and walked back to her locker room. That was The Yoga Goddess by PantherEyes14 on Reddit. That was something. But the major takeaway I have from it is, imagine all of that buildup. A woman looks at you and you're like, I want you to suck my cock. And she's all like, I can't suck your cock, but you're going to get yours. And you're like, okay. And then she turns around and makes you fuck her thighs. And then gives you a handy. Shower sex, not sexy. Shower sex, not sexy. Two, two porn stories in a row, show it. Shower sex, not sexy. Well, guys, that was the live show I tried to put on the show for you. It was a day. It was a week. I tried to put out my podcast, tried to be sexy, tried to be fun for everybody, tried to get over the apocalypse that was coming. Won't you tip me? Won't you share the word? I know I didn't do perfect. I guess I got a little bit, uh, after talking about maddowing, I guess I maddowed myself. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to make it funny. I'm going to learn to find a way to be grumpy about stuff, and you'll laugh at it just like the apocalypse and Jeff Bezos and all the rest. Find a way. Pay me. Send everybody around. I had a great time. Please come out. These shows are coming more and more fun. They're more and more fun because of you. Do you like the fun porn? I love the fun porn. I can't find the fun porn. If I find it, I know it's going to be bad. I'm not going to read it, honestly. You have to find me the fun porn. You have to bring it. You have to share it. Oh, girls, won't you do so? It would mean the absolute world to me. That has been the live show. Thank you again to everybody who listened, everybody who submitted, everybody who comes out, everybody who shares, all the ladies of the night. I appreciate it and you very much. You make the live show possible. Once again, thank you to Ali. Thank you to Serena. Thank you to Aria. Thank you to everybody who submitted something or tipped. Thank you to everybody who comes out. You are who make the live show possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Coming out next week, there's another live show on the 28th. It's a leap year. So you still have the 29th of Saturday all on your own to recover. I know sometimes it can take a whole day. The podcast and then the live show, I can be very, very, very draining. But babies, aren't I worth it? Thank you one more time. Come on out. There's music. There's fun. I want to see you there. Bye. Bye.